The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. Today we have a guest that I'm really, really, really excited about because I came across his work from some new friends and were so curious. And then as the universe always provides us with these, you know, answering our requests, uh, his people reached out to me and asked if I wanted to have him on my show. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. So I'm really excited. Our guest today is Asil Toksal. And he is an expert guide on awakening journeys and expanding consciousness and integrating spiritual experiences. Asil receives and transmits transformational energy and spoken wisdom from higher and non-dual sources of consciousness. This benevolent energy and wisdom is an unconditional gift intended to support humanity's evolution. Asil, welcome. Hi, Victoria. It's good to be here with you. I'm so excited today. And so I first became familiar with your work, like I said, with some people that I met through another spiritual teacher friend. And one of the things that really intrigues me is one of the things that you guys do, right, with Evolution One, which I think is your group that you founded, and you'll tell us about that in a minute. But one of the things that you do that fascinates me is you travel around and you do energy clearings on the land, on the earth. Did I sum that up right? That's true. It's one of the cornerstones of our work and our service to the world. Yeah. And that just really, really spoke to me because I know in my experience, you know, as an intuitive, as an energy sensitive person, you really do feel the energy of of a land and you feel when it's aligned, you feel when it's not. I've had some experience in certain places where I tapped into things that were maybe not so great for me. And I've also had experiences where I've gone to places that, you know, literally being in that spot transformed my life. So I'm intuiting that your mission is even deeper than that because it's not just an individual healing, right? It's collective as well. That's right. So there is definitely a focus on the collective evolution of humanity and how all of these sacred sites around the world, as well as the sites of collective trauma, play an intrinsic role in our evolution. Yeah. All right. Can you share more about that? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So... When I first started to have this connection with these angelic beings who introduced themselves with the names humanity had given them, so Emmanuel, Raphael, Michael, and then as a collective consciousness, the Elohim, they basically said the evolution of humanity is right now at a massive awakening. We're like in this mass transformational process that we are in. And this work is going to require some aspect of the individual to awaken and to come to its understanding of its power, of its ability to be a conscious creator. And the second aspect was the work with the land and the earth itself, in which the earth, because we're intrinsically tied to the earth and the energetic field that the earth creates, is directly connected to our evolutionary process. So imagine You know how it is when you're walking into a room in which there has been conflict, in which there has been certain emotions, maybe over many generations, or you walk into a place that had war in the past, 
So there is an imprint of that energy, especially if it's not transformed, if it's not integrated, if it's not uplifted into learning. Oh, that's a beautiful phrase. I love that, uplifted into learning. Because that's what healing really is, right? Exactly. That's the way I see it. That's the way the guides have been communicating to us. It's not like something that we have to get rid of. Uh, it's really something that we need to like observe from a higher perspective and learn from it so that it becomes part of our being and it becomes part of the general field of humanity. And then energy starts to move. And until then, the energy does not move and it's stagnant and it's heavy. So I think many of us have already felt what that feels like when we walk into such places. Right. And it's the same analogy that we have in our human bodies, right? In our human energy field, trauma feels like stuck energy, stuck heavy energy that just hasn't been integrated yet. Exactly. And it will stay there until it is transformed. <laughs> right. And if it's not in this lifetime, it'll be in the next one and the next one and the next generation, etc. Right. There are so many sacred sites around the world, energetic places. Uh, the guides call them uh, places of energetic significance. And that could be a beautiful mountain. It could be a volcano. It could be a lake. It could be a church, a monastery, a temple. It could be an ancient ruin of an ancient civilization. Or it could be a war zone or trauma site. Right. And the adjustments that we get to do at these places start to connect to all of the other sacred sites around the world. And specifically in a certain region, when we do this work, the energetic field of that region starts to lift and operate from a higher frequency. Beautiful. And does the points of significance on the earth change over time? Because I feel... I mean, this is just my my insight and intuition that, you know, there are these significant places that we are clearing, but there are also always new places opening up. And that the significance of a place also depends on how you align with it. Would you agree with that? I would say there is a significant number of places that have been significant for a long time. <laughs> Fair. And will probably be significant for a long time after we're gone. And those places, I'd say, are in some ways like uh, the pillars of like the energetic field. And then there are places where things happen. Humans come together, humans create things, humans establish civilizations, humans have conflict, etc. And those places can shift and change, right? Okay. Yeah. So in some ways, we get these the countries that we're supposed to go to. And there's a certain progression in which country to go first and which country to go next. And then we go through a massive list of sacred sites with the guides. And they say, okay, this place is a must go. This place you can go to if you have time and so on. So we have like this giant map of sacred sites in a country or in a region. And then we work our way through that list by traveling to these places and what we call the sacred earth expeditions that we do. Sounds like you have some high level uh, travel agents working for you there. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that. Yes. They don't get involved in the logistics though, in the human logistics. <laughs> That's plenty of work, but it's really a good divide and conquer, right? So we get to do, you know, the logistical part. We get to be there present as human beings, as human vessels, and they get to do the work from a higher plane of presence and support. Let's talk about that 
too, because I often get from my guides that it's such an honor and privilege to be in a human body at this period of time and also just period. And that there are things that the guides as strong and powerful as we want to imagine them to be. And I believe we're all made from the same stuff, but there are things that the guides simply can't do because they are not incarnated. And that, you know, we really do have a purpose and mission here by being in these beautiful human forms. So I would love you to speak on that if, if that resonates with you. Absolutely. And I totally resonate with what you're saying. So in some ways, the divine support that we get is meant to empower us and support us in becoming the masters and the creators of this of this reality and of this realm. It's not meant to disempower us by them solving the problems for us, by them fixing the things that we have created, by them making things disappear that we haven't learned from, right? So in some ways, there is a significant responsibility that we have as individual souls and as a collective humanity. And they won't take that away from us, but they will give us direction and some guidance. And they'll say, hey, this is something that you might want to look at, or this is something that you can tackle with following practices and so on. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's how it's been explained to me. And also just being in a body in terms of the energy of the the planet, you know, the way it's been explained to me, and I'm going to tune into my guides now, but they're saying go ahead, is that just by showing up, just by being here, you're doing energy work for the planet. You are participating. And then some of us are participating just with a little bit more of an expanded awareness. And so as we have that expanded awareness, then we can really participate because we are tapping into those higher frequencies that our guides are transmitting for us and through us. Absolutely. You've definitely got that. So, and very often, like the guides will share in the transmission, they'll say, hey, being human, that has the ability to be truly present to their own life and to become a beacon of light, a pillar of light in their life to everyone that is in relation to you. That's already a significant gift and service to humanity. Yeah, That's already massive. It's more than most of humanity is doing, right? So it's like becoming consciously aware of who we are and how we can hold a higher frequency within ourselves, how we can learn from the past, how we can become even more present and how we can create infinite possibilities for the future. And as you said, sometimes we step into a bigger service by really offering this divine vessel to higher realms of consciousness, and an intelligence that wants to support humanity. So my brain is going two different directions now, Asil, uh-huh. because part of me wants to ask you, okay, how do we do that? How do we become that pillar of light? I love that expression. And how do we align ourselves in that way so we can be of service, either just by being ourselves, because I really do believe that that is the biggest act of service that you give to the world. Um, but also a lot of people now that listen to my show that that follow you, you know, they want to be actively in service. They want to actually have their doing aligned with that mission and purpose. So I want to ask you about that. But first, I want to divert a little bit to, again, before we leave the sacred site thing, and these two questions might even be aligned. 
years ago, I had an experience and I just, I want to get your feedback on it because I was traveling to Greece, which was a trip that I felt very called to make. And I felt, felt very called to make. And I had a friend that just like literally just went to Greece for fun. And she said, I'm going to these three places. And she came back and told me about it. And I immediately was like, I need to go there and I need to do that exact same trip. And Mm -hmm. so I did with a few little additions. And it was a game changer, life changer, and also super, super, super fun. And for me, it was a lot of past lifetime reintegration because as soon as the plane landed in Athens, I had this strong feeling of like, oh, I'm home. But I, I visited Delphi. And I know that I have some past life experiences <laughs> as an oracle there because I've seen them. But I visited Delphi and I really allowed myself, I think, to really, really connect with the energy of the place. And then I'm not a big drinker, but I was with my family and the Greeks really love to drink. And that night they served us a lot of yummy tasting alcohol. And um, so that did not help. And I completely like unraveled. I completely unraveled. And what happened, I think, is I fell like headfirst into the energy of that place. Mm. And I basically, my experience was experiencing sort of everything that's ever been wrong with the world, every war, every disagreement, like pretty much everything was awakened in me. And it took me about 24 hours to find my footing again. So I'd love to hear about that from your perspective. And and my guidance is saying it may it may naturally tie back into our other question as well. That's really interesting. And coincidentally, uh, this last year, we went to Greece and we did a full expedition of uh, 42 sites in Greece, uh, going from the top of mainland to Mount Athos to Ionina and the first oracle, which was um, an oracle to Zeus. And then going to the islands of Delos, uh, where Apollo and Artemis are born, going to Mount Olympus, where I connected with the energy and uh, wisdom of Zeus itself, and, and also visiting the Oracle of Delphi. And it's really fascinating how much history and how much spiritual connection, divine connection was established in ancient Greece, even way before, you know, the Hellenic religions. And so there was ancient cultures that had a deep, deep connection and bond. And interestingly enough, what society does, our humanity as civilizations do, is we build upon the previous accomplishments of the previous openings. So when I visit sites, very often there was a temple before that, and there was a temple before that, and there was a temple before that. So it just goes back. Sometimes you wouldn't even know, we wouldn't even know historically how far deep it goes. Right. And so when I go myself and sometimes take people with me, there is a strong connection that people have, a draw to the places that we go to. And sometimes it will open up and it will activate an ancient connection they have, a past life connection they have. And memories might come in and insights and wisdom and powers and skills that were once established might come in as a result of this activation. So we had powerful experiences at the Oracle of Delphi. I did a channeling of the last oracle that had lived and pretty much all the oracles were coming in for that one session. And it was just so mind blowing. 
And of course, we were trying to dodge the guards of the place so that we could just do what we were there to do. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's misunderstood, etc. But I'd say it activated a lot in people, both in healing as well as in an integration of the lifetimes that had lived in Greece. Yeah. So that was my experience. It was crazy. And I've been to places. I've been to Egypt. I've been to places where I knew when I was there, oh, I'm reconnecting with something and I'm reawakening something. And I don't believe you have to go to the physical location for that to happen, but it's sure fun when you do. But this was this was next level and it was not pleasant. It was not pleasant. I really felt like I was tapping into, you know, the bane of humanity across all time. And um, I was glad to step out of it when I felt better again. The question is, was it rewarding? Oh, that particular experience, um, I would go back to Delphi in a heartbeat. I, I think what I learned personally from that experience is to not pick it all up and take it all on. So I think right. that was my last little reminder that that is not how we need to connect with the energy of anything. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I got from it. My favorite place was Crete. I fell in love with Crete. Mm. So I will be going back there. The energy of me and Crete really agreed. So very cool. Let's pivot a little bit about what does it mean to be a pillar of light and how do you teach people to to awaken that within them? Mm -hmm. So this term pillar of light really came from the guides. And when they said humanity will need in this awakening and transformational process that it's in, many, many, many pillars of light in human form. Humans that have learned to find a deeper sense of alignment within themselves and that can hold the movement of higher frequencies through their systems sustainably. And these pillars of light are individuals. When things are challenging for the general public, they will turn within their communities to the pillars of light because they've known the pillars of light to be stable individuals, to be grounded individuals, that they will feel safe and supported in a moment of challenge. So they will look to the pillar of light and see how they respond to the challenge. That makes sense? That makes beautiful sense. I love it. So these pillars of light are really a a stronghold, a lighthouse when facing chaos, when facing darkness, when facing challenges internal and external. But in order to become a pillar of light, We have to go through the process of facing everything that is a misalignment within ourselves. That could be mental, emotional, physical. It could be energetic, spiritual. And as we do this work of becoming more and more aligned within, we're becoming more and more of a pillar of light. Right. So this journey has led us to create courses that we're channeled and guided and lead people through an initiation process that would make them pillars of light in service. Beautifulness. Beautifulness. I love it. And thinking about the life experiences, right? Like including, you know, finding your way after getting knocked off at Delphi and finding yourself back to that Mm -hmm. alignment. I think these are the kind of life experience. I mean, you know, I'm super intuitive. So sometimes we have we have more mundane life experiences that send us off. It does not have to be like, you know, an intuitive uh, overload. But I do think that all these kind of experiences, right? When we get out of line alignment and we come home, 
I feel like that alone is strengthening, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in some ways, potentially, you were able to face that experience in Delphi because you had already done a significant amount of work. Right. And no challenge is presented to us without our ability to face it. I believe that. And every challenge that we're presented with is once again an opportunity to greater growth and greater alignment. So it really is a win-win-win situation, no matter what, how difficult it was in the moment. And, you know, sometimes I have moments like that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking up, I'm like, really? This, like, we're doing this again? Or like, this intense? Can it be a little bit toned down? And then I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to make a really good story once I'm through it. That's a really beautiful reframe. I love that. So talk to me, how, how do we get there? How do we get the tools to hold the light and to hold the light more and more? Some of it's going to come from our everyday lives like we talked about, but you know, not everybody has a pivotal experience and knows what to do with it. And also I'm guessing that um, there are things that we can do to prepare ourselves and to condition ourselves. And that's the word that's coming through, which is not one I would usually use in that form, but to prepare and condition ourselves so that we are ready to receive and ready to align and ready to make the most use of these experiences. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's a multi-stage process. And it really depends on what type of work we have done so far. One of the fundamental basics that the guides talk about is silence and presence. If we can really learn how to create spaces of silence for ourselves, and that leading to a really deep state, a qualitative state of presence, we can get into a state of an observer. So we can start to observe ourselves, our lives, and every aspect of our being from that higher perspective. Just like you realized with Delphi, right? When you were able to look at it from a higher perspective, you didn't have to go through the full circle of feeling everything again, right? Yes. And in that state of being an observer, what emerges are realizations. And these realizations are what I consider as the pivotal moment of integrating the unprocessed. And when that's done, these unprocessed elements of our lives become processed and these loops close without the necessity of having to be repeated. And that leads to more alignment, right? Right. So a lot of the early stage practices we have are really a deeper sense of silence, presence, and alignment, um, understanding and knowing just the way you do it when you're like feeling something and, you know, you need to tune in what's happening. You go into a moment of silence. I see the way you do yeah, it. Yeah. It doesn't work any other way. <laughs> you go very present. Right. And in that like unflavored moment of observer, you receive something that you then present outwardly. Beautifully put. Right. So you are bringing yourself into a state of being a vessel. And that's beautiful. Uh, for many uh, of us, that requires years and years and years of training, right? And for some, it's easy. They just have the knack for it, or they've just done this for many, many lifetimes, and it comes easy for them. But that doesn't mean everyone, it actually means everyone is capable of doing it. 
Yes. It's just a matter of being in the right space, having the right support to get to these states more regularly, more consistently, and more sustainably. I think to those of us that have the natural ability and gift that it just comes easily and, you know, especially psychic abilities, there's also a tuning. There's a tuning and attunement and alignment. So at least that's been my experience. My my psychic abilities were always turned on. That wasn't a problem. But Mm -hmm. and I was always, even as a child, able to receive guidance for people. I didn't know that's what I was doing and connect and channel. I didn't know that's what I was doing in school when, you know, I was being all philosophical and stuff. But what my process has been is is having my life you know, support that more and more and more so that I have that light around me. So I have that channel so that I'm tuning in intentionally to the right channel. So I think this work of being human, we we all find a way to do it. We all find a way to do it. Absolutely. And, you know, as you probably have noticed, psychic abilities are a beautiful gift that we have. And some of us have open psychic abilities, but being able to structure that within ourselves And being able to clear any trauma we've had in the past that may be flavoring our psychic abilities, being able to have enough grounding to have the psychic abilities open and functional without destabilizing our lives and our health and well-being. These are critical things we can train, practice, and integrate into our being. And maybe that's a form of conditioning the body, the mind, the heart, so that we can be true long-term vessels in this life without what I would call sacrifice, without the drain and without the negative side effects of the gifts that we have. Yeah. Oh, that was so beautifully put. I have to drink that in. That was so beautifully put. I find a lot of the people that come to me for intuition development, which is a big part of what I do, they're they're those people. They are not the people that need, you know, the volume turned up on their intuition so much. Although sometimes people need that too, because they just haven't been listening um, and they need to know where to find it. But a lot of my people, it's the the volume is just fine. They need to learn how to align. They need to learn how to create that vessel for it really to come through and be integrated in their lives. And they and they need to use it in service of their own healing and growth. Mm-hmm. So that's a good first step, right? So their own healing, their own growth. And what I noticed in my own journey is after a while, when I found a new milestone in my being, in my well-being, in my alignment, it naturally wants to share itself. It's almost like abundantly, generously flowing out, right? And of course, we do this with a sense of that everyone has autonomy and say and sovereignty when and how they want to grow, okay? So I'm not here to impose onto anyone what they should be doing because I'm seeing something that they're not seeing, right? They need to be ready for it and they need to ask for it. So it's really a matter of respecting people's free will. It's really a matter of respecting the sovereignty, autonomy, and the divine genius that exists in the orchestration of their awakening. That's absolutely beautiful. And I think a lot of people do. And I think people that have uh, spiritual you know, gifts and intuition and awareness and people who don't, there is often a desire to try to um, solve other people's problems for them, oftentimes for our own well-being, but often out of kind-heartedness of, well, I can see how you you should do that. 
-hmm. And that's why, you know, I open every session with releasing my attachment to outcomes. Thank you. Fantastic. To remind myself. And and, and that was the hardest one. The hardest one. It still is because I always pause on each one and just tune in. Do I really mean it this time? And sometimes, you know, I say it and I'm not quite there because it's hard. It's hard sometimes for us as humans to let go and appreciate and respect the integrity of everyone's human experience. However, the gold is ginormous because if we don't start from there, we're not helping anyway. 100%. Thank you so much, Victoria, for doing that work. And it's so important to notice that. Am I truly neutral? Am I truly holding a non-dual sense of being in my presence? Because from that place, service has a completely different flavor, right? There is a place in this society for compassion. There is a place for love and conditional love. There is a place on feeling what someone else is feeling so they can feel seen, they can feel heard, right? There's a place for that. And in my consistent um, evolution, in my, in my growth and in the courses that we deliver, we train individuals to have that, but also have a presence that's beyond that, that is beyond attachment, that is in this neutral observer that just can hold space for whatever is unfolding. And sometimes in purely holding that space, there is a resolution to be had rather than us as individuals trying to intervene and specifically, I want it to be solved this way or I want it to move in this direction. My God has always told me that it's that holding of presence that is a true healing force Thank you. within yourself and for <laughs> others. I feel like we can almost finish this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. That's what they that tell me perfect. again and again. It's those moments of, of pure presence that you hold for yourself or for others. And I always think that when we're doing it for others, we're still doing it for ourselves because that's truly what you're here to do is have your own unique journey. And I believe that the journey that we each have individually is in service of the collective, even if we're not trying to be. 100%. But yeah, that's what they tell me again and again. Healing is just being present and everything else is just the fun after. If you want to do some stuff too, you go for it. But it's... <laughs> yes. That's when you're, because that's when you're in your soul self. That's what we're mm. made of, right? I mean, that state of awareness of consciousness is who and what we are. Mm. Very cool. Okay. I could clearly talk to you all day, <laughs> but I can't. The other question that's coming to me going in a totally different direction, but it isn't going away is I want to know more about who are your guides. Because those are energies that I feel aligned with over many bodies. But I, when I do my own work, I don't usually pay attention to who the guides are. I just, I just trust that, you know, at this point, I know, I know when they're taking me where I want to go and I fall into that. Um, but there are certain name brand guides that I align with and just, I believe it's a past life thing. And Michael is a big one for me. So I'm just, I'm curious for you, like, how did the guides present themselves to you? Yeah. So the guides... You know, I don't, I don't come from a religious background. Okay. I'm a scientist by training. I was a, a businessman for many, many years. And as I started to seek a greater depth of understanding of who I am and what life is meant to be and how I can find true happiness, I did a lot of uh, spiritual practices and rituals and so on and lots of retreats and really like trying to find who am I? 
and how does this reality operate? And in one of these connections, after you know decades of trying and navigating these different realities, I had a connection with what I would consider light beings around me. Like the space had changed. It turned into this almost soundproof dome of energy that was filled with like this reverent presence. And these light beings were surrounded around me and one of them started to speak to me. And I could just feel the light and the energy emanating from that. It was very high frequency. It was like a high pitched sound in my ears, almost deafening. And so it said, you are now ready and we can now finally work with you. And you will have to leave all of the tools and practices you have learned behind. And we will prepare you to be a vessel of this work. And I said, wait, like, who are you? And this boy said, my name is Emmanuel, and I will guide you through this process. And I was like, who, who is Emmanuel? Like, what are you? And he said, you will soon enough find out. And I Googled. <laughs> and that's how we do things. And that's how I do things, you know? At least, you know, how cerebral thing people do. And I'm quite cerebral. So I Googled and I found out. It's like, wow, yes, there are saints, but this one seems very different. This was not like a saint. It was, it didn't have like the human element to it. It was really like something more. And it's like, wow, could it really be an angelic being? Am I talking to angels? Am I losing my mind? Like what's really happening here? And they were, what's interesting, the difference that I have between, I've had guides before, spirit guides, you know, entities, interdimensional, intergalactic guides, all kinds of things. There was a way in which they were very precise with their word and their promises. They kept every promise they said that developed a strong sense of trust a strong sense of precision and order in the way they would guide me through my own processes and in the way they would outline how humanity will be helped with the work that we will be doing. And Emmanuel prepared me to be able to embody him, it, and then eventually Raphael, and eventually Michael, and eventually Elohim as a consciousness. And in some ways, these angelic beings are very, very powerful uh, energies and forms of consciousness that are assigned to different civilizations, different forms of consciousness, like humanity is one, to assist in their evolutionary process. So they're messengers, but they're also, at times, there will be interventions in which they support, right? The way humanity and this construct is set up, that these direct interventions, they are very, very strictly supervised. So, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but my perception is there is a significant amount of bureaucracy going up on there in which <laughs> like authorizations have to happen on multiple layers on like the highest layers. And before interventions can happen, in order to keep this as untouched, as self-driven as possible, 
right? And the Elohim speak of themselves as architects of this reality. And they speak of themselves as we have designed and we have established this reality for consciousness to evolve within it. But ultimately it's yours. And we're showing you the way to become your own creator. We are not your gods. Right. We are only here to show you that you are. And that's because we also carry that seed of their consciousness within us. Right. That's just waiting to really sprout and awaken. Right. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> I know. I'll have to have you back. No, that's beautiful. I love it. And it really, truly resonates. And like I said, I feel like a resonance with some of those energies as well. But I love how you said it. I don't usually teach differentiations between guides because for me personally, I just like to get what I get. And I don't like to be all human-y about, you know, there's this category and that category because it falls into mind very quickly. But what you said really, truly resonates on a really high level. It makes a lot, a lot of sense. So I'm glad we had that conversation. And I know a lot of people are going to have a lot of questions after this episode. So I can't wait to get them all. Mm. I ask everyone on the show, Asil, how do you experience your intuition? The way I experience my intuition is when I tap into a moment of silence and presence and I tap into a place of pure neutrality, that in the present moment, I'm whole. In the present moment, I have everything that I could ever want. I am everything that I would ever want. And I have no separation, individualization beyond everything that I can experience, all forms of consciousness. So there is a sense of being one and everything and everything in one. And from that place, and that can happen within a split second, right? That can, you know how it goes. So once a practice and once the pathways are carved, it can happen within a split second. And then there is a sense of inner knowing. There is a resonance about something that resonates either yes, strong or aligned, right? Or it doesn't resonate as strong. It feels more complex than it needs to be. It feels like a maybe. It feels like a part of me is attached to a certain outcome. It feels a certain emotion wants to come in, right? That's when I know, oh, what I'm sensing is I'm not in full alignment with what is before me, right? So, and then I seek greater alignment with these, um, you know, attachments and desires and emotions and so on. And once I have found that, I can see more clearly of what the direction is that I'm getting. And it's not always the guide's direction. It is really, truly a soul knowing. I love that beautifulness. So last question is, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be completely intrigued by your work and by Evolution One. Can you share really briefly what you have to offer, how they can find you? Yeah, all that good stuff. Great. So evolution.one is our nonprofit organization and is our website. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Tons of tons of free transmissions by the guides, 
uh, incredible topics, including on our YouTube, tons of material for free, like literally hundreds of hours. Beautiful. We have a course that is a self-guided course, and it's a very good entry-level course called Discovery Series, Aligning Self and Earth. So it is a course in finding that first step of alignment. It's a, uh, it's a eight-week self-guided course that anyone can do at any time. The other thing that we have is every year we start a cycle of these Pillars of Light courses, and we start another cycle of the Earth Keepers courses. So Pillars of Light are those that are consistently working on a great alignment inside on the self-realization process to become a pillar of light and service. The earth keepers are individuals that are also working on a great alignment within themselves, but more with the focus on their connection to the earth. And they become incredibly sensitive to navigate different energetic fields and energetic grids. And they learn how to attune different places, sacred sites, not just by physically visiting, but remotely visiting these places. So these two pathways, you know, there's a course that we have, it's called Foundations, and anyone can take that. Uh, when we start it again, the next one is going to be in April. So that's when people can jump into that. So Discovery Series is available right now. And also uh, some of our Sacred Earth Expeditions are available for anyone to experience them. I just was recently in the Balkans. And I did a sacred earth journey through the Balkans and it was powerful. It was really, really intense. And about 2000 people followed and joined us online remotely on this journey. And that sacred earth Balkans experience is available for people also to watch and experience. Beautiful. So cool. I'll have to check that one out. All right. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. Anything else? Any parting words before we wrap up? Just... Deep gratitude for you and the work that you're doing. Likewise. And I know how much it takes for us to follow this path and to support others in their journeys. And everyone like yourself that is following this path of growth and self-realization evolution and supporting others deserves a true acknowledgement and deserves to be seen, supported, and nurtured. So thank you for that. Oh, and thank you. And likewise, my friend, likewise, for sure. You're doing a lot of beautifulness in the world. All right. And thank you guys all for listening, because as I always say, if you guys were not tuning in, I wouldn't get to have these conversations. And I'm always so grateful. And I hope you all enjoyed this one as much as I did. And namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. 
You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network, in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. Contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.